Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. Hello and welcome to another special episode of the Sales Operations Demystified podcast. We're joined by Jonathan Bunford, who's currently Director of Sales Operations at ADA. Did I pronounce that company name right, Jonathan? Perfectly, yeah. Hey, um, so Jonathan, interestingly, has previously, before moving into sales ops, has experience in marketing operations. So hopefully we're going to dig into that. Since then, was sales operations uh, manager and senior manager at a company called Influitive and is now yeah. directing sales operations at Ada. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Um, so let's kick off, um, and maybe we'll cover the marketing operations part here, but how did you actually get into sales operations in the first place? Yeah, so I, I joined my first startup uh, in a sales capacity, um, and like many startups, I wore a million different hats, and uh, one of the responsibilities that I kind of volunteered for was implementing Pardot, the marketing automation platform. Um, and so at that point, my entire career path changed. I left the sales world, focused on marketing. Um, and that meant I was owning Salesforce and Pardot and the integrations and making sure the data was passing back and forth properly. And uh, a lot of the different responsibilities that came in both worlds. And so that was my, my introduction into the operations area. Uh, and then from there, I just kind of doubled down. I felt a lot more uh, passionate about the sales idea of things, the sales metrics, um, and also just the power that can come with some of the tools that uh, that are in the sales camp. Um, so just kind of doubled down there over the past couple of years. Awesome. So you, because if, if you say that, because we have someone in our in our team who helps a lot with these podcasts and webinars. Uh, it's called Josh. Shout out to Josh. Um, now Josh is responsible for our in the sense of part up, but I actually hadn't thought of Josh as being in marketing operations, and maybe I'm wrong. I I, I thought Josh is the marketing automation manager, which is what kind of what he is. <laughs> um, it it kind of goes back to that idea that we were such a small team. Uh, I kind of maintained everything from the actual automation platform, the automations that took place, 
uh, building out the HTML templates for the emails, uh, yeah. working on the website. Like there were there there were a lot of different pieces that that I was involved in, um, and so uh, the 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 umbrella of just marketing operations and the entire tech stack for marketing kind of fell on my shoulders at that time. Got it. And so then you expressed more of an interest in sales. Did you move into a more sales operations role? within that same startup or did you was that when you moved on to into a different company so I, I i kind of balanced both worlds while while i was at that first company it was event moby um and it's a lot to manage the the marketing the marketing scope is huge sales is huge and trying to manage both of those was really challenging um and so when i began to look for another opportunity i decided that that could be a good opportunity to focus on one one area of the business uh, and between the two I, I really enjoyed, as I said, I really enjoyed the sales side. So that's where I chose to to put a lot more of my focus. And why did you, what was it about the sales side that, that drew you to that and away from marketing? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I, for, for me, the part, uh, the part that I really enjoy about the work that I do is the technology uh, being able to build out processes and and the automations and the behind the scenes of the business, um, and I found I I found that uh, at least from my perspective at the time, I found that there was a lot more potential in the sales area than there was in marketing, uh, and I found that at least with the marketing side, I I felt pretty comfortable, and so it was also a good opportunity to grow a lot more. Where it was, if I'm 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 hungry to learn something new, and I'll I'll get that option that opportunity by focusing in sales, where I had some experience, but not as much as I had on the marketing side. And with that business B two B or B two C, just out of interest. B it was a B two B business. Um, a lot of a lot of the organizations I've worked for are ultimately B two B to C. So you end up having two sets of clientele that you need to worry about. There's your customer. Uh, who in turn has their own customer to worry about and how you kind of manage the expectations across both uh, both tiers of that. Got it. Um, so fast forward to today, up to Ada, what are you currently using technology-wise in the sales part of the business? Uh, Salesforce uh, is our uh, CRM of choice, um, and I uh, build a lot of our, our processes on top of that. Uh, another major tool that we use is Gong, which uh, does the call call recording um, and a lot of analysis uh, behind the scenes. Uh, really fun tool if you've never checked it out. It's a lot of fun to kind of see the data that they can pull from a, con a conversation. Uh, we also have a few tools uh, that we use uh, depending on which team. Uh, it was mostly a budget uh, a budget decision, but for example, for email. Uh, in terms of uh, automation we and, and logging, we have outreach for our BDR team, and then we have Groove for our sales team. And then yeah. for our data tools, we have Discover Org for our BDR team, and then Zoom Info for our, uh, for our sales nice. team. Interesting. And just, just for the audience, um, what's the ratio of people within the sales operations team against the number of BDRs and A's? One to everybody. <laughs> uh, right now, I'm a single. Um, I'm a single man show, um, yeah. and so it's a lot to manage in terms of uh, uh, making sure that all the teams feel that they're getting the attention that 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 they ultimately need. Yeah. Um, and and so that's where having a great organization where they understand that there are um, 
at this point, we have uh, around between between 15 and 20 BDRs and sales individuals, um, yeah. and they understand that it's just me. And so yeah. um, where in the past I have felt as though I'm getting pulled in a dozen different directions, um, I found that they definitely understand that uh, I'm, I, I am helping a number of different individuals. And so it's a lot of prioritization to ensure yeah. that each team gets the attention that they ultimately need. So they're aware when they come to you with those those tiny little Salesforce customization requests that it'll get pushed to the bottom of the pile. Exactly, exactly. Sometimes it can jump up higher if it sounds really fun, and then I'm really <laughs> excited to, to work on it. But more often than not, it's kind of what's the organizational objective. That's what gets the most focus, and then working its way down down the uh, yeah. down the priority chain. Yeah. A lot of people that come on the podcast say that one of the crucial skills you need is management of those stakeholders, so the sales reps, the AEs, but also the, the VP of sales and the CEO. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. They have to yeah. spin on those plays. Um, Let's talk about data quality. Uh, is that currently your responsibility? Part of it, yes. Uh, so as I mentioned before, we have two two different data pending tools. We have Discover Org and Zoom Info, which really are now just one organization now uh, after the acquisition. Uh, but we also, um, we have a few other things that happen behind the scenes when new leads enter our system. Uh, but what we have found is that for our business primarily, a lot of our success is dependent on certain data points within the support team structure of an organization. What tech stack are they using? Uh, how 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 large is their support team? What channels do they uh, get get inquiries? And a lot of that information is really hard to find. Some tech stack infos out there, but uh, the quality of it is really hit hit and miss. And yeah. so what we have found is that a lot of the, the quality data comes from actually talking to somebody at that organization uh, with a discovery call. And so for me, it's building out the processes within Salesforce to allow the team to enter that information in, in, in an easy way at the right time, which can ultimately then steer our business focus and, prior, and help us as an organization prioritize where the business should be aiming. Uh, and just for the audience's benefit, um, Ada is, is kind of like AI for customer service teams, right? That's correct, so, yeah. Cool, okay. Um, so, so what you're basically saying is it's very hard to get good qualification data from these sources because I, I guess Zoom Info don't know how many customer support tickets yeah. one of their clients. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And surprisingly, nobody wants to share that information just on like a quick email. So it's, uh, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. picking up the phone, having a conversation and building out that that relationship early so we can get some of that information as quickly as possible. Yeah. And so do you push the FDRs to try and get like on, on the cold call, do you push them to try and get the that information right away? Or would you say, actually, no, let's jump on a discovery call and have a bit more of a structured conversation or both? Or is it no? Um, kind of a both a, a both and a lot of the time that will come up in the first con conversation because it can be very quick it, it's a very quick way to ensure if it's if we're talking to somebody who's who's ultimately interested or maybe just tire tire kicking um which there's nothing wrong with kind of seeing what the tech stack is out there and what the opportunities are out there but at the same time we know that if your if your support uh, demand is so small our solutions overkill. Like it just doesn't make sense if you don't have enough support inquiries or um, or other other factors. And so the sooner we can get that information, it just creates a better buying experience. Nobody yeah. wants to waste their time going through a bunch of demos and then finding out 
like, oh, this is absolutely not a fit and we should have known that earlier. So yeah. it's just better to kind of put the cards um, on the table earlier with that qualification process through as quickly as possible and then move on to the uh, fun part, the demos and uh, building out that, that actual use case for the for the prospect. Got it. Um, moving on to the, if let's just focus on the FDRs. Um, sure. If there's something new or some tweak you want to make to the process, how do you go about getting them to really, to be keen about the process, to really want to, to implement this new change? For sure. So at, at ADA, the uh, the SDR and the BDR team sits under marketing. So I don't have too much uh, of a say within their their processes, but the same question would apply to the sales team. And and pri pri primarily what I have found is that you can't just bring in a new process, just tell everybody that it's what needs to be followed and walk away because nobody will do it. Um, or they'll just do it to the lowest possibility that they have to. So if you put a new field in and say, everybody has to fill this out, if there is no there's no true understanding as to what that process is for, why we're requesting that information, why it helps, uh, you'll find people put in junk information. Um, and so by requiring the right information at the right time, and the only way you'll really know that is by talking to the people that are on the field. And so talking to the salespeople, finding out what their pain points are is massively important. And then uh, building that process with them involved as closely as possible. And so if you get their buy-in, in that, when you build something out, at the end of the day, I want so much information, but I need to get the sales team bought into why we need this information. Otherwise, they're not going to fill it out. Yeah, and that's this is like the crucial part, right? Like you have to create the, the, the change or the new process with with the sales team, right? With them, exactly. And I've, I, I mean, in the past, when I was more ju junior in the role, I would try and implement something, and yeah. the intention was fantastic. But at the end of the day, it it wasn't successful because I I brought it out the wrong way. I didn't I didn't bring it to 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 their attention. I didn't get them involved. And so at the end of the day, I'm just trying to add an extra step in the process. They're not gonna want to do it. Yeah, uh, we just have a question from Zach. Can you tell us more about the relationship between the business strategy and building that data into the sales process? Now, so that question makes sense to you, Jonathan? I think so. Um, I think what 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 Zach is is uh, asking about is when uh, ultimately the business has certain prior certain areas where 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 they want to focus. Uh, whether it's do we want to go enterprise? What sort of uh, industries do we want to double down 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 into? And then how do you how do you learn that within the sales process? And so that's something that um, I'm actually still in the process of of ironing out uh, here at here at Ada. But a lot of it is. Uh, there are certain data points that are helpful to drive the sales cycle forward. And then there are other data points that are helpful from the business. And it's how, how, how do I find that, that balance? So uh, for example, the, something like the decision-making process, I personally can't drive a business decision off of how a client or a prospect is going to decide to purchase us or not. But that's something that's helpful for the sales team. So we need to build that into the structure of the sales process when do they learn that information? When's the right time? When's it too early or too 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 late? But then going back to some of the data that we don't get naturally, looking at uh, the number of support inquiries and the tech stack, it's how do we bring that information, which does help the sales process, but as a as a whole, how do we drive our business behind that? And it's all about it really comes down to having that sales process broken out into multiple stages and aligning with the team. When does it make sense that you would learn this information in a natural way? 
Uh, sales is very much a give and take experience. And so how do we how do we get that information at the right time? And then it's just sifting through. And then on my end, it's sifting through that data and trying to find the the uh, the the uh, trends. Uh, anything from uh, sales cycles. Everybody wants sales cycles to 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 be uh, as quick as possible. But like the data that I pulled recently shows that the faster the faster we close, the lower the revenue is. Is that good or bad? Not necessarily bad because it means we get them in the door faster. Maybe we can grow those accounts out over time. And so there's a lot of nuances to it, but it's it's all driving the business decision as to how do we sell, who do we sell to, and, and what industries, etc. That's super interesting. How trying to compress sales cycle could reduce deal size. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's obviously pressure to reduce cycle, but then if it has that impact on revenue and you can't then upsell, then maybe you do want a six exactly. hour sales cycle. What exactly. is the kind, uh, kind of average um, sales cycle for you guys at the moment? And have you tried to actively shorten that or was that just an example? Uh, that's something that we're looking at right now. Um, on average, it's around three months, plus or minus. Um, in some cases, it can be a lot faster, especially if we already have a relationship within an organization. Um, if a sales individual comes on board and they already know people, that can drastically imp in, uh, um, improve on the sale, the sales speed. Uh, or if we find that somebody has worked with us before, maybe they've changed organizations, but they already know who we are, they know what we do, and so it can happen a lot faster. Uh, but plus or minus, it's around it's around a ninety day mark, um, and mm. we have found that um, the fastest is around like thirty to sixty, and then the longer is around one hundred and twenty. And it it shows that the longer it takes, generally speaking, we do bring in um, a higher uh, a higher revenue target. So yeah, something to um, keep in mind. Cool. How are you currently onboarding new people into the sales team? So we are onboarding like crazy at Ada. We're growing very, very quickly, which is a lot of fun. It means every week we're welcoming new new people on board. Um, and so there's already the fire hose of information that happens when somebody joins the team. There's the technology. There's meeting all the different teams, learning about the product. Um, I come in about midway through through all of that. And what I personally do is I'll walk them through our tech stack from a very high level bird's eye view. These are the tools we use. This is why we use them. And I'll kind of leave it to them for a while, uh, for about a week or two, because I find that if I sit down and walk through every step of our sales process, every field, every requirement, none of it's going to be remembered at the end of the day. And so by walking through it from a high level first, letting them sit, sit, sit with it, and then uh, specifically in the Salesforce world, there's um, in Salesforce Lightning, there's now the guidance for success for each stage. And so using that to help tell them and explain to them, this is what you should be doing at this stage. This is why, this is the information you wanna be gathering. These are the questions you wanna be asking. All of that information can then help teach them um, when they're ready. And then obviously I'm available all of the time. And so when, when uh, a problem comes up, I'm here to help answer that or point point them in the right the, the right direction. Yeah. So yeah, are you currently actively hiring salespeople at the moment? Yes, very much so. <laughs> so so you're going to be going. You mentioned around fifteen to twenty over the next say six months. Are you looking to double the size of the team, or are you just adding on? So when I uh, so when I joined Ada uh, in January, if I were to think of sales and BDRs, we had six individuals. 
Oh, wow. uh, so already we've grown quite a bit. And if, if all, if all continues to go according to plan, we're going to be um, growing even further uh, throughout the rest of this, this fiscal year and into next, ne next year as well. Cool. And are you actively involved in the hiring process for salespeople? Do you interview or do you do any, anything uh, I, separate? I wouldn't say so much on the active side. Um, I'll sit in on uh, the odd interview here and there, but uh, it's mostly the sales leadership um, and uh, those people that are in the front lines that will have a better sense as to the different strategies that somebody could, could, could bring to the organization. Um, I have been been brought into a couple. I do enjoy it, but it's not something that I focus on here at this time. Sure. Um, let's talk about productivity, especially if you're a growing sales team. Um, if you have an unproductive process or unproductive person, that's going to get worse, I guess, as you have more of them. So what are you going to be doing over the next six months to ensure productivity of these new reps? So one of the first things I did when I joined was uh, kind of looked at what data we had and what 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 we what we were ultimately missing. And what I found was uh, the initial pain point that I found was we we weren't actively logging our our calls and our meetings as effectively as we should. And so if we're trying to do analysis on general like okay we have a sixty day sales cycle but or or ninety day sales cycle what does that look like how many calls does that take how many demos that information wasn't there. And so one of the first things that I did was implemented a tool uh, to, to log those emails, log, log those calendar invitations. So that way we could see what efforts does it take to, to, to get a deal across the line? Or what does it take stage by stage if, if, if we are able to drill down that specifically to see what does a normal deal look like? What does a really successful deal look like? And then using those two data points together, we can then use that as a, uh, as a benchmark when we hire uh, new, new folks. So that, that was kind of stage one. From there, it's a lot of what can I do to take the cognitive load off of the team and get that away. And so a lot of our salespeople have so much information in their minds. I can ping a few, of, uh, a few people on the sales team that have been here for a while and ask them about an account that they closed six months ago, and they know everything just off the top of their heads, which is fantastic. But that means there's all this mental space that's being taken up holding onto this information. And so it's what can I do within Salesforce, within our process, to get that information out of their brain so they can focus on the new deal, and they can then put that much more effort into it. And what the example of log everything. Yeah, so um, that, that final point, what's an example of something that you've done that has been able to reduce the amount of things a salesperson needs to remember? So a lot of it comes down to within the opportunity cycle, within the sales cycle, there were a lot of little data points, um, something as simple as certain aspects of their tech stack, uh, making sure that we were tracking that properly, that we did have fields to track things like competitors, which competitors are we up against or facing within certain deals or what's the tech stack of the company. But the actual process of, up, of importing that information was painful at the time. And so um, if I had pulled, when I, when I first joined, if I had pulled the data from Salesforce about our competition, the data suggested we had no competition because there was nothing there. But then when you actually talked to the team, it was, oh, we faced these people in these deals and we've won against these folks and we faced these folks more often, but the data wasn't there to hold on to all that. And so it's a bit of a painful process to build out something, get everybody to go back in time and think, okay, look at the deals that you closed, whether won or lost over the past, maybe six months or 12 months, and just re repopulate this information, get it out of your head. It's a bit of 
of a painful chore to get them to go back and do to do that. But the the idea now is I can now use that data effectively, and also they don't have to worry about it anymore, and so they can just move on and focus on some on some some something newer and more more time specific for what's happening now. Got it. So taking the information out of the heads of the salespeople and putting it into Salesforce, uh, well, like making exactly. that process easier so they'd actually exactly. do it. Got it. Exactly. Um, let's talk about KPIs. What What are you currently tracking? Um, I think like from, from what I can think, our KPIs are pretty standard. Um, things like activities, changes in pipeline, uh, growth and decrease, uh, pushes and pulls. We when an opportunity is created, we set a default um, assumption just based off of our sales cycle. And so we look at how many, how often does that get pushed or pulled? Um, are there any trends to the pushes and pulls? Um, how long things take within each stage? Uh, and also what what are people doing within each stage? Uh, when when I joined and still, still, still right now, we have about six sales stages and there's some discussion as to kind of reworking those a little bit, maybe adding one, maybe removing one, but ultimately I need to, I need to look at that data and see what's happening. Where are the potential bottlenecks in our sales process? And that's all through those K, those KPIs, uh, the sales cycle, which we've already talked about close, the close rate obviously is a huge one for, for sales operations and one that I've looked at before, I've looked at in previous roles, and I've read quite a bit about is sales velocity. Um, mm. I feel like that's kind of the big thing that a lot of folks are talking about right now. And I look like I understand it. I've built out formulas. I've built out things in Excel and processes within Salesforce to track it. I'm not quite bought into, at least with the organizations I've been a part of, how to make it actionable. And so a lot of the times what I'll be doing is working on different da data points and KPIs behind the scenes. Nobody else is really aware of it. I'm not surfacing on any dashboards that are rep facing, but looking at those different data points and thinking, is there something useful here? Because uh, so more often than not, you can get overwhelmed with data. And so what I try and do is hold that data back, wait until I can actually see what the story is and then feed that to our leadership team to say, with this data point, we can drive the business, we can do this or that, and we can make these adjustments. But with sales velocity, I like it, but right now it seems like the basic story it says is either add more to your pipeline or decrease your sales cycle. And to me, that's already a given, like you want to close things faster for more money and more often. So mm -hmm. I'm not really sure what I'm learning extra from sales velocity, but I feel like there, maybe I'm just missing that, uh, that last piece of the puzzle there. If you could explain sales velocity in one sentence for the audience, how would you, what would you say? Oh, I was just about to Google the uh, formula, but ultimately <laughs> what sales velocity is, is a calculation of on what frequency, usually it, it can be depicted in a daily form. It's every day, how much revenue are you bringing into the organization? And so you might, you might like, for example, at Ada, a lot of our business is very hockey stick shaped. It's usually towards the end of the month or the end of the quarter, which is very common in the tech space. Uh, but if you kind of break that apart, it's if we look at the deals in the pipeline, how quickly they close, um, the win rate and the average deal size, I think those are the different factors. What it, how, on average, how much revenue are we bringing in on a daily basis? And so as you tweak those different levers, you can see that sales velocity increase. And so ultimately it gives you one numerical value to see, are you, are you getting better or are you getting worse at bringing revenue into the organization? That was longer than a sentence, but I think that's <laughs> pretty well. <laughs> Got it. Uh, and final question, who has taught you the most about sales operations? 
So I, I, I have a two part answer for, for this one. Um, so one individual that I learned a lot from was a previous VP of mine, David Premer. Uh, he, uh, he is a very, very intellectual individual and just has this way of looking at data and looking at problems from a very unique perspective. And, uh, one of the things that he helped me learn was being in the sales operations role. I sat in on so many sales sessions where I was learning about different sales methods and Sandler and, uh, like so many different things, but at the end of the day, they don't really apply to me. And so I would think of how can I build that out for the sales team? How can I use that to drive the sales? The sales seem to be more effective, but it was never a thing that I took on for myself. Uh, but what he helped me realize was the sales team are my customers. And so the same way that you manage expectations with your prospect or you have a sales cycle and you have a champion, like all of those things actually apply to me as well. So when I'm building out a process, uh, not only do I need the sales team involvement, I have my sales champion. I have the individual that's really bought into what it is that I want to build out. And so they can help kind of, you know, get that excitement with the rest of the sales team. And so that was huge for me was realizing like I have all this data that's in my head that I can actually apply to my role directly. So that was huge. And then the second part, because I did say I have a two part, a two part, uh, a two part answer <laughs> is just the community in Toronto. There's a, a pretty sizable sales ops community in Toronto. Um, and so just connecting with it, different individuals, whether they're senior or more junior, everybody has a new perspective, a new idea, a new problem that they're trying to solve. And so just having people in the area to meet up with, grab a coffee and just talk over some issues and problems, it's, it's, it's really helpful and a great way to to spread knowledge, but also learn some learn something new. Is there like a name of a, a meetup group or online group in Toronto that we can give a shout out to? I actually, I'm, I'm in the process of trying to start one. I We've had oh. one meeting right now uh, and I, I dropped the ball in June and didn't get it started. So hopefully in July, there'll be another sales ops uh, meetup in Toronto, but nothing like there's no meetup group or, or anything yet. It's very, very grassroots right now. Fantastic. Um, and that concludes the interview. Jonathan, Director of Sales Operations at Ada, thank you so much um, for thank coming you. on. There's a few things I picked up that I want to quickly recap on. Um, Buy-in from the sales team, I, I think David Primer's advice to you was absolutely phenomenal. And this is what everyone's been saying. Um, sales people are the customers. We need to get buy-in. Um, I really like the, the part about the deal analysis, about how you're looking at like a, a perfect deal, if, if there's such a thing, like how many sure. calls, <laughs> yeah, yeah. how many engagements. I think that's really important. Um, taking the co cognitive load away from the sales team and pushing that into CRM. And then the final one, which I hadn't heard before, which was about you might have some, or like all this data that you're, you're producing, but there's no point really showing that or trying to <laughs> confuse salespeople um, with, with data that you don't really know what it means or you don't know if there's any, any actionable insights. So that's what I got. Jonathan. Fantastic. Thank, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales of Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.